Yeah, we've been working through a series called Removing the Rocks, um, and I'm going to be pray for Susie. Um, every time we have somebody that isn't one of the pastors here at Rev, we just love to pray for them, um, to commission them, um, and just kind of, um, I guess, just quieten our hearts before Susie shares from God's word. Um, so let me pray for you, Susie. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Susie. Um, Lord, we thank you for all that you um, have given her uh, for today. Um, and Lord, we just pray for a real freedom um, to preach your word. Um, Lord, to preach it boldly, to preach it confidently. And Lord, I pray you would give us ears to hear what you're saying. Lord, that we would hear what your spirit has for us. Lord, where you would convict us. Lord, we pray convict us. Lord, where you would challenge, challenge. Um, And Lord, where you would bring transformation. We pray that you would do that this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Rich. Um, Hello, everyone. Good morning. Um, It's really good to be speaking to you today. Um, So as Rich said, can you hear me okay? Is it funny? It's good. Thanks, Adam. Um, Today's our last talk in the series called Removing the Rocks, where we've been looking at the things that get in the way of the fullness of life Jesus promises us through his Holy Spirit. And it says in John chapter 7, verse 38, which is what this whole series has been based on, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, He was speaking about the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So the picture here is of streams of living water flowing from our heart through the Holy Spirit. That's something that's alive, it's moving, it's dynamic, it's got momentum and it's got flow. It's rivers of living water. Wow. And that's what Jesus says that we will have if we believe in him. And receive his Holy Spirit. You know what it's like to be near fast-flowing water. Like the power is overwhelming. It's incredible, isn't it? And you can't you can't resist it. It just kind of takes over you. I don't know if you've ever been washed over by a wave. I'm not a great um, surfer uh, or swimmer. Um, And that's what water does. It brings life to people. It gives sustenance, and that's the picture that Jesus gives of the Holy Spirit. And the fullness of life that we can have in him. And don't we want that? I certainly do. I want that this morning. And I want that for all of us. But what we find in life is that, carrying on with this image of of the stream, is that in our lives there are rocks, so to speak, that get in the way of this water, this river um, flowing from our hearts. And so all that life and momentum of the Holy Spirit doesn't flow, doesn't seem to flow. And sometimes we feel stagnant like water that doesn't have any life in it. We try and pray, and we feel dry. And what we find is that there are things that resist this life given by the Holy Spirit, and it can lead to a hardness of heart. And that's not good. And it's not what God intends for us, to have this hard heart. It stops us being effective for Jesus, and it stops us from growing and being healed in ourselves. And so we've been looking at different rocks over the last weeks, from pride to shame, and last week on bitterness with Clive, which was amazing, wasn't it? Amazing. I loved what he said about looking at the big picture. When we get so easy, when we're in a situation and we get so easily sort of overwhelmed by what's in front of us. But actually, um, what Jesus allows us to do is step back and see he's greater than that. He's greater than the mountain. I remember Steph once preaching, he's bigger than the mountain that we face. And yeah, I've been praying that this week, that I wouldn't get overwhelmed with my situation, that God would give me that supernatural ability to stand back. 
Anyway, um, today the rock we're going to look at is a big one for me, and it's self-sufficiency. So, (laughs) help me, Lord. Um, Self-sufficiency means I'm fine on my own. I'm fine on my own, thanks. Thanks so much for your advice. But uh, deep down I'm thinking, you don't really understand me, do you? And you don't get me, and I'm going to do what I want anyway. I I know what's best. It's the attitude that says, I can do it, and I don't need help. Does that ring true for any of you? It certainly does for me. I'm both in relation to each other, but also very dangerously in our relation to God. And in short, it's born out of pride, thinking that you can do it alone, that you know best. And it's pretty ugly. And it often results in blinding control, where you get on with your plans... You work out your idea for what, what's best in life, what's best, you know, what it should look like, and, and you consult in God, um, but then you get annoyed because, you know, you go ahead anyway, and it doesn't work out how you thought. And you get annoyed with God. Well, uh, you know, that's what I, I'd sort of planned, and uh, what's happening. And um, it's not a good place to be. It's really not, because your heart becomes hard which is this whole series, really. It's a, that, that rock is the hardness of our heart. And it stops the Holy Spirit. And he wants to break us free from that this morning. He wants to give us life. So when I was asked to do this talk, um, Steph didn't mention that it was born out of testimony. But anyway, that's fine. <laughs> he said, do you want to preach on self-sufficiency? Great. Um, and I prayed, and God immediately um, gave me the phrase that um, someone had, I'd been talking to mentioned, which is... Don't make a name for yourself, which had stayed with me. Don't make a name for yourself. And it led me straight to the story in the Bible where this phrase, making a name for yourself, is used. It's in Genesis 11, um, with the story of the Tower of Babel, which I'm sure many of us know, um, and it's where I'd like us to look today. Thank you, you got it. Super, super quick. Um, It's the most direct story where people literally build a city and a tower to reach the heavens, to make a name for themselves, to point towards themselves and their achievements. This is like the Shard times 50 or something. It's there to stand out, to get attention, for people to marvel at it and think, wow, look what they've done. But this attitude of self-reliance and search for success the people of Babel had, didn't take God into account. And as we'll see, it it resulted in God humbling them in such a direct way that must have been devastating for them at the time. But as we'll see, in God's big picture was ultimately for their good and for the good of humanity. So I'm really hoping and praying um, that by looking at this story and sharing some of my own testimony testimony about how God has been so gracious and so kind and so endlessly patient and forgiving with my ugly attitudes of self-sufficiency, that the Holy Spirit will shine a light on each of our hearts today where we've grown hard. And that we'll be able to give up this need to control And we'll be able to humble ourselves before God and give everything to him. And it leads to the most beautiful dependency. 
because that's when the life will flow out of our hearts, when we're dependent on him, more than in our own feeble power. And I really believe that God wants to um, set us free from these frantic patterns of control some of us might find ourselves in this morning, that we're stuck. And it is frantic, and it's not good. It's not, it's not peace-giving, and it's not from God. And he wants to make us free. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to read. This is the ESV. I'll read it from here. Um, Genesis 11, verses 1 to 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come. Let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people... And they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the whole earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the, of the whole earth. Um, I'm just going to pray before I start. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your, um, the presence of your Holy Spirit here this morning. God, we um, just want to see more clearly who you are. And when we're looking at this, this rock of self-sufficiency, it's so easy to get introspective and feel overwhelmed with our, our, um, our sin and how, how incapable we are. But God, I pray more than anything, you're, you would just give us um, a bigger picture of who you are. Like Adam was praying, that we'd see clearly um, who you are, that you are greater than any mountain that your Holy Spirit doesn't want us to live um, just struggling and striving away, trying to control things in our own strength. Jesus, I pray that um, each one of our hearts would be receptive to you. Um, help me um, yeah, speak clearly, and um, we pray it's all for your glory. We love you, Lord. Amen. So I'd like to look at um, two main points from the passage. And the first is, um, we're all building towers in one shape or other in life. Um, it's very easy in life to make a name for yourselves. In some way, try to prove your worth in life. That's what society tells us, isn't it? That's, there's a trait in humanity that wants to know more, achieve more, and it makes us feel good. And here in the passage, it says that the people of, of Babel wanted to build a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and make a name for themselves, lest they be dispersed over the face of the earth. It's just like in the Garden of Eden, which is just seven chapters before, the people of Babel wanted to become like God. Essentially, that's it. Eve was tempted by Satan to eat the fruit from the tree that would give her knowledge. 
The promise was to make her like God. And here we see this community who all spoke one language, working together to build a tower that reached the heavens that would make them look impressive. But their ambitions didn't take God into account. They wanted the power and they wanted to control. And they didn't want to be scattered as a people. And as we know from Genesis 1, God's desire for man at the beginning of time was to be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. That means the whole earth. And look what they're doing here. They're like, in verse 4 it says, they built a tower so they wouldn't be dispersed. They wouldn't fill the whole earth as God wanted. So they're acting out of fear. They wanted to control matters. And they took, took matters into their own hands and they disobeyed and ignored God. And they built something very concrete, literally. A city for them all to live in and a tower that showed how powerful and capable they were. In one way, it sort of makes sense. It's like, let's stick together, do something productive, let's make sure we're all okay, and it's going to look really good too. It's going to look really impressive. But they were after security in their own strength, not in God's. How much do we crave security in, in life things other, from things other, from, other than God? What are the towers that we're building in life? Where do we spend our time? It's really helpful to do this. Where, think about where we spend our time, where we spend our money, what we daydream about, what do we treasure without recognising God's ultimate control and plan for our lives. Like Clive said last week, we think we control, we command the breath into our lungs. We think we have control. And it's so often we just go ahead in life, just full, full pelt ahead without giving it truly to him. So it might be getting the best job or the next promotion or financial security that makes you feel like you're in, you have that sense of control. That might be one thing. Or it might be finding marriage, having a happy family and a beautiful home that gives you that sense of being loved and needed. And it could be, or it could be success that drives you, whatever it is you're doing, looking good, being liked or being funny. That's what gives you that sort of sense of, oh, everything's okay in life. So we all spend our time making things, don't we? Building things, so to speak. And each of these things aren't necessarily bad in themselves. God's given us all gifts. He's given us passions and the desire to work. But if we're not careful, we're building it by ourselves. For ourselves, regardless of what God wants for our lives, which is to live dependent on him. And London is obsessed with building a name for itself, isn't it? Isn't that why people come here? To be successful, to do well in their career, to make money, to find a marriage partner, move a bit out of London, bring up their kids. It's all safe. It's all good. And this is the attitude fed to us by work, what we watch, what we read online. We're not immune to it. We spend our time just looking at screens, whatever, listening to the news. That's what, that's what the world is telling us. And what I found quite striking when I first reread this passage is that um, God says, this is, in verse 6, 
This is only the beginning of what they'll do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? So humans are capable. God saw that nothing would be impossible. It's really interesting to think about that. And humans, we do have amazing capabilities. We've sent people into space. We've split the atom. We have, each of us have amazing qualities to, to make beautiful art and to challenge people the way they think. And it, um, it's, all, it's all a picture of the divine, isn't it? But, but if we do it in our own strength, it's not giving God the glory. And I struggle with this. I do. I have the desire to want and achieve everything I put my effort to. You just give me one thing, I'll be like, okay, I'll master it. <laughs> just like, let me do it. And it's a drive God's given me. But if I'm not careful, it takes over and it controls, controls me. And I've spent the last 10 years in London working really hard, I can tell you, without the humbling grace of God and the forgiving love of others, I'd be so hard-hearted and miserable. Because the tower itself never satisfies. And it's a lie that we think having it all will bring security and fulfilment. Self-sufficiency, when I was too busy at work to care, made me hard-hearted towards others. Impatient. I was impatient that they didn't know best. I was unable to love fully and sacrificially. It's horrifying to say this because at the time you, I was blind to it. You sort of you can't see things clearly, can you? But God has so graciously brought me out of that. And although I'm, you know, I'm so prone to it, I'm free from the grip of relying on myself. And it often just results in praying throughout the day, simple prayers like, please, God, help me. Please don't let me get overwhelmed. Please let me trust in you. Help me, God. We have to let go. And being busy and industrious with our work, with our family, in our marriages, trying to to get rich, it just leads to isolation and pride if we're not careful. And we don't grow in isolation. We just don't grow. It's like you, you, you sort of, I'm here. You don't grow. There's no room to grow. And we so desperately need God and others to learn how to live in community and sacrifice for each other. And I was reminded of this psalm when preparing Song of the Ascents. It's Psalm 127, and it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. It's just straight to the heart, isn't it? Unless God is building the house, we labour in vain. And we're exhausted. I'm exhausted most of the time in London. It's just sort of impossible not to be unless you really put things in, in place. And, and, and God's saying, don't eat that bread of anxious toil. All that sufficiency, self-sufficiency leads to is anxiety and control. Not peace and sleep, it says here. 
We were made for life with God, to invest in the things that are unseen, not things that will be destroyed away and fade in time. And it's so freeing when we realise that God wants our hearts and delights in us without any effort of our own. And, um, yeah, we have to realise this, that it's unless the Lord is building what we're, we're spending our time with, it's in vain. We, go, we get up early, don't we? We go late to rest. And it just brings anxiety and this um, franticness of control. Which leads me on to the second and last point, which is we don't know what's best for us, but God in his discipline and his grace does. And it says that God disciplines those he loves. And he knows our weakness. He knows we're weak. And he sees all the efforts and achievement of the people in Babel here. And it's so small in comparison to him. I love the language. It's quite poetic, the form of this passage. He comes down to see the tower from heaven in verse 7. The tower is so far from heaven. They're like, yes, it's going to reach the heavens. God can't even see it. He's like, I'm going to have to come down and see what you're you're making. Um, So they thought they knew what was best. They wanted to stick together, build security, but it's not what God intended. And he could see, ultimately, that their pride and their self-sufficiency was dangerous. God knew in his wisdom it wouldn't be good to let them do anything. He said they'd be capable of doing anything to create this big tower. So he intervened and he punished them for their pride. It wasn't that God was worried that their tower would threaten his power in any way. It's the dangerous self-sufficiency that needed to be stopped. So he does exactly what they're afraid of. They, they didn't want to be dispersed, and they, they, they spoke the same language. So God does exactly the opposite. He confuses their language, and he scatters them all over the earth. And we know now, praise God, that this is all part of his big plan. And the chapters that follow in Genesis tell the story of how God was to bring about his original desire to bless and know humanity through a man called Abraham, the father of Israel who was promised to be a light and a blessing to all nations. So if men hadn't scattered the earth, this would be impossible. There would be no all nations to bless. And it's through Abraham's line, through his descendants, that Jesus was born to be the biggest blessing. He not only lived a life that was dependent on God, the opposite of being self-sufficient. He won the battle of pride, humanity's pride and desire to be like him that came about through Eve in the Garden of Eden. He won that on the cross because it's there he suffered and experienced complete separation and restlessness on the cross so that we could know God intimately and have perfect rest in him. He struggled, so we don't have to. It says in Hebrews, now we enter that rest. We don't have to do it alone. We don't have to struggle on in life, trying to get everything sorted, trying to have it all, trying to keep everything under control. Because if we let Jesus in, 
His resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is now living in us, this streams of living water, the Holy Spirit. Wow. (laughs) So it means we just don't have to live this life desperately trying to control our destiny. Even if we know Jesus, it it just is something in us that wants to have everything sorted because now we're his children And if we believe in him, heaven is our home. And we can invest in things that are imperishable, that won't pass away. And it's it's literally incredible. It's that chance of new life and relying on him who did it all for us. So now we can rest. Do we know that? This morning, it's not just a physical rest, it's a a deep spiritual rest that no matter what happens, we have this deep peace. We really need to know it this morning. I need to know it more than ever. And I'd love, I'd love, um, if you've never known this rest, if you've never known what it is to have Jesus' perfect peace, um, I'd love you to be open to that today. And for those of us who feel hard, for us to um, open up and soften, ask the Holy Spirit to, for us to give up that, that frantic need to control. I'm so challenged by this. It's, it's one thing knowing it, isn't it? And it's another thing, um, the Holy Spirit miraculously changing our desires to do things alone. Um, what are you holding on to in life? For me, I struggle with pressure. I put myself um, under, put on myself to be excellent. I don't know whether it's being the youngest child or something, but I have this desire in me to prove to myself, really, that I can do it. I can do it no matter what. And I, I had this picture. I've had it lots of times in my life, but I had this picture of a butterfly in my hand clasping onto it with this clenched fist. And, and the butterfly is, is the things that God has desired for me, people that I love and, and things that he wants me to do. It's like this beautiful butterfly in my hand. But if I don't open my hand and give control to God, the butterfly will just be strangled and die. It's not free to fly. And it's really hard. It's really hard to give up control of things we care about, things that we hold on to and desire in life. I don't know what it is for you. Sometimes it's just too painful. We think this isn't happening. And I, God, I've prayed for years and we're just keeping control. We might not even realise we're doing that. But God, praise him, can shine a light and set us free. He can open up our hands, so to speak. Um, And he's so much greater than anything we could ever have thought would be best for us. He knows what's best. Um, And he provides that security in life, even if it's not material, even we're going through the biggest um, trials and persecution and suffering and death, whatever it is. he, He is the author and perfecter of our faith, like Adam was saying. And the most recent experience I had what's the time? Um, was when, of this, where God really spoke to me 
wham, bam, <laughs> strawberry jam, uh, was when I was in, in <laughs> was um, when I was in the Middle East last year, and I was um, making a film that was very close to my heart um, about Syri- with Syrian refugees, and I'd put all my efforts into it, and it came about through prayer, and God's done wonderful things through it, but I really battle. I still do battle with the feeling that it's not good enough. And when I was there some days, I was just weighed down by the feeling that it needed to be perfect. I needed to be perfect and excellent in every way. And it's a feeling that consumes me. I don't know if you get it. it, it you, can't, you feel sort of gripped by it. And it's this internal battle. It's not about comparison to other people. It's about sort of this desire to perform in myself and it weighed me down and it put me under pressure and praise God he spoke to me in such an amazing way when I was there through my translator Shadi who's an amazing man who one lunchtime um, we were just sitting in his car just trying to switch off well I was and then he said to me he turned to me and he said Susie I won't do the accent Susie what are you trying to prove? And I was like, oh gosh. You know, and you know, it's just like... And he said, what are you trying to prove with this film? What are you trying to prove in life? And he drew, he drew this on the dashboard, he drew this small circle on his car, and he said, when we try and control things and prove ourselves... In our own strength, we live in this small circle. We reduce everything. But when we give up control, open up our hands, so to speak, stop trying to prove ourselves, it might be to others, it might be to ourselves, whatever it is, when we stop living like that, he drew this massive circle and he said, you know, you'll be free when you give it up to God and rely on him. I was like, wow, oh my goodness, Shadi. And there I was with all these good intentions. Uh, you know, it wasn't a bad thing I was doing, but I was living under this grip. I was too scared to fully give it to him. I was relying on myself, really. And what we really need to realise in life, that it's not about us. I was just walking in Angel this morning to the tube and I just felt like God um, say he wants to um, release people from the fear of failure. It's a grip that it makes, us, it makes you just stunned, really. That there's people here this morning that feel like I have to succeed and I'm just too scared because I'm going to fail. And I felt like God's saying life isn't a matter of um, failure and success. That's not what he cares about. Sorry. Here we are, we spend all our time investing in our jobs and everyone. He's saying, it doesn't matter. Sorry. He just wants our hearts. He doesn't... Sorry. He just... <laughs> We're building this tower. 
we might have good intentions and it might not be a bad thing. And I'm not saying God wants us to live a life doing nothing. But at the end of time, the success and failure is not what life's about. It's about giving him glory. It's about relying on him. He gives, he takes away, it says. We're just here in a moment, we're gone. And it's true what we need in all of this. It's so hard because I know what it's like to be under pressure at work when I put the pressure on myself. And you just feel like, I want to, I want to do a good job, I suppose, or in a relationship. You think, I want, I want this to work. Or, you know, all these things, they're not bad. But it, we're striving in our own effort. It grips us from living in this big circle. And what we need is to see who God is. Like Adam was saying, we just need a picture of Jesus this morning and God who created the heavens and the earth. He's way above any tower we build. And when we know him, we become his child. And all he wants is our best. He's not wanting us to live in this small circle, just trying to get everything. And he's just waiting for us to open up our hands. Open up our hands with these, these butterflies, these things that he's given you. And open up our hearts and expose the deepest worries that we have. And the desire we have that we're trying to control. Because do you know what? When we let him in and realise we're so weak, that's when he's going to set us free. To live in the bigger circle. The spacious place, it says to run around in his grace, where he promises to to never leave us or forsake us. He promises to be with us, even though it's hard. We're not promised a life without suffering. But if we give up our self-sufficiency, he says, I will provide your daily need. Do we know that? That each day, today, whatever you need, God says, I'm on it. I'm going to provide what you need for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Do we believe that? And it doesn't, it might not, we don't know, that's what, we don't know what we need. But God, if we ask him in his mercy and his grace, just gives us lavishly what we need. It might be an encouragement from a friend. It might be just a a change of heart. It might be through reading the Bible. Whatever it is, it might be something physical. It might be healing. It might be financial. Whatever it is, God says, I will provide your daily needs. And that's what we're to pray. Give us today our daily bread. It says he'll never let us suffer more than we can bear. How much... Uh, are we being weighed down by all this pressure and self-control? It says, if we give it to him, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. These are all promises, everything I've said, these are all promises for those who believe and trust in Jesus. So, as we end, I'd just, I'd love um, for us to... I suppose, metaphorically, and in our hearts and in our minds, to give up the things that we feel mo- that we're controlling. 
open our hands up and say, pray, pray to God, your will be done. As John the Baptist said, I must decrease, you must increase, Lord. And when we see who God is, we just realise how small our little towers are. And he, his grace for us is more than we can imagine. And life may not look how, you know, we intend it if we do this. It certainly won't. But God really knows best. He knows best. And he blesses those who are obedient and trust in him. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. So today you might just be like what Clive was saying, you can't see the way forward with the situation. But God says, I'm going to give you faith to, see, to be certain and have a hope, even though you can't see it. That's all we're called to do, to be obedient today. And he's going to give us soft hearts when we do this. And a life lived for God and for others. You won't be so frustrated by people. It's what happens. You get annoyed by people. Um, He's going to give us that softness and ability to love people and live in this bigger circle that is far greater than a life lived under control. Amen. Shall I pray, Luke? Yeah, let's pray. Why don't we stand? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your um, your humbling power. And yet, at the same time, when we're humbled, you just show us how awesome, how great you are. That, Jesus, you took on all this suffering, all this need and desire to be like you. And you say, you don't need to strive anymore. That you can now enter my rest. God, I pray where we're holding on to things, that we would open up our hands now. We'd open up our hearts. We'd let go of the worries and the desire where things have gone wrong. You might just be here this morning in such a situation. You think, I don't know how to get out of this. But God's saying you don't need to control it. You can give up your self-sufficiency. Give it to me because I've won the rest. I've won um, eternity for you. Heaven is your home if you believe in me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you, um, you don't want to see us strive. It's so hard in London where we just, um, we just spend so many hours working or um, with our families or whatever it is. It's not a, a restful place. But God, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that we would know deep rest this morning. We'd know deep spiritual rest. Pray guilt would be gone when we, when we um, confess our sins to you. I pray Guilt would be gone in the, in the power of Jesus' name this morning. And I pray that you would um, release us from that grip of the fear of failure. Release us from that grip where we think we need to succeed in life. We need to do better at work. We need to be a better husband. We need to be a better wife or, or a parent or a child or a sister or a friend. I pray that we'd be released of that. We don't need to prove ourselves 
God. We don't need to prove ourselves when we know our identity and a char- and as a child of you. God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit you'd soften us, that we'd be able to physically um, run run into this bigger, spacious place that you promise us, that we wouldn't reduce life. Because you know what? When you trust in him, it is so much better. His love is better than life, it says. Pray, Father, would you come and just um, minister to us now, Father? Um, Yeah, we love you and we're sorry for our self-indulgence. We pray we'd look to you as the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen.